0: Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. All right, well, let's go ahead and open my prayer. Father, again, we come to you because uh, you've given us time to come together to be able to look at your word and be able to study it and understand it better. And we just ask that you, um, through your Holy Spirit, just let your word speak and help us to understand it clearly, to to uh, learn from it, to take things out of it that we need to to apply to our lives and, and be able to move forward changed by it. And uh, we know that's always what the, the right outcome of looking at your word should be. So we ask for that and just for your your grace on the, um, the studying and the getting together and praying. And uh, we just thank you for those opportunities. Lord, please bless the evening ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Jump into the last lesson of Philippians. It uh still like with many of Paul's writings, you know, one sentence can pack a lot. So even in this last lesson of you know, wrapping up the the letter to the Philippians and and just giving some last little um, recognition and and um, uh, just greeting even at the end there's still a lot packed in here so so we're going to dive into this and we'll start by just reading through these verses so we're going to be looking at verses 10 through the end so i'll start reading in verse 10. but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me nevertheless you have done well that you shared in my distress now you philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when i departed from macedonia no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only for even in thessalonica use and aid once and again for my necessities not that i seek the gift but i seek the fruit that abounds to your account indeed i have all in abound I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma and an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Alright, so in this last section, you as we read through there, you notice it's mainly talking about this gift. The a gift that the Church of, the, of Philippi sent to Paul. So Paul again was under house arrest in Rome and uh, he's receiving this gift through Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus had come and as we had looked at um, in an uh, earlier chapter, Epaphroditus had come at the risk of his own life and had gotten sick almost or to the point of death, but lived. And uh, then they were able. Uh, Paul was able to send Epaphroditus back to the church of Philippi, but uh, this gift came to Paul to support him, to help him, and that's what a lot of this is about. Uh, but in in the middle of that, of course, I mean there are several lessons that we can draw from it. But in the middle of all that is this idea of contentment. So. Um, let me ask you a question: If I came to you and I started to explain to you about the um, the process or or the steps for preventing hair loss, okay, <laughs> would you listen to me? No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh obviously, you know, I would not be an expert on that um on that subject. All right. So take this a step f- further. If someone came to you that was you knew they grew up in a wealthy family and out of that wealthy family they had a large inheritance and you know, so all through life they they uh did not have any lack. Okay, and they came to you and they started talking to you about, about uh being satisfied with having very little you know, would would you take their advice or their their um their wording and their their information that they're giving you, would you take that and count it as as important? No, probably not. Okay. So if, what would it take for someone to come to you and, and explain being satisfied and content? You know, what, what kind of person would uh, be able to, to express those ideas and, and to really emphasize contentment in life? What would they have to go through? Someone who's what? Yes. Okay. Someone who is who knows what it means to need something. Okay. And as we look uh, at this passage, and we see this writing from Paul, does Paul fit that... That uh, that situation, that 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 person that knows what it is like to need something. Yeah. You know, what, what are let's just brainstorm for a minute. What are some of the things that Paul had gone through up to this point? I mean, obviously, we we if we start at where he is right now, he's in, you know, under house arrest. All right. So, but what all things did he go through to even get to this point? Being beaten, yes. Okay. Persecuted. persecuted. Yeah, he's in jail even before getting to Rome, multiple times. Even in Philippi, he was in jail. Yeah. He probably lost a lot of friends when he converted. Lost a lot of friends, yes. Yeah. And on the on the other side of things, you know, we've mentioned several negative um areas of life for him, but what are some positive areas that he experienced? He okay. All right. So he saw lots of people come to know the Lord? Yes. His main goal. Yeah. That's his main goal, so he he uh he knew what that was like to accomplish uh, a lot of that, yes. Would we say that before he was saved, what was his situation? You know, he even expressed, you know, he was one that had um, a lot of recognition. High uh, recognition of, um, among his people and among his, uh, the group of Pharisees uh, probably did not lack much at that point in life. All right, so, so here is Paul who knows really both extremes. He, he knows everything from being highly recognized with, with lots of... Um, influence and probably uh, lots of assets as well. And then he knows the other extreme of being beaten, of being in jail, of being ridiculed and rejected. And, uh, you know, so as we look through this passage and and talk about contentment. Just keep in mind the person that this is coming from and all that he experienced and, and what he knows about it. All right. So let's, let's start out in verse 10. Um, and yeah, I'm just going to put these up there to uh, just, again, all the different topics we've talked about and Paul's focus on the gospel and we'll see that again tonight. All right. At verse 10, we see first his thankfulness for the gift that's given. But there's a, there's a few things we want to look at there. One is that Paul rejoiced greatly because they, they gave the gift. All right. Now, if, we, we, uh, as, uh, if we're in a situation where we are of great need... You know, are we excited about what would we be excited about if someone gave us a large gift? You know, our, our tendency would be to really focus on the gift more than the giver, because we're we're thinking, "Hey, this is there's great need, and here God's given us this gift." But really, I think that His His rejoicing here focuses more on them than it does the gift. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. You know, he doesn't mention about the gift. He, he's rejoicing, his great rejoicing is about their care for him. Now, of course, that involved the, the gift that he received from them. But I think it also just is a focus that... He really, his emphasis or what he cared about was that, was their love for him more than it was about the gift. Um, And he even mentions in verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. All right, so his focus, uh, his rejoicing there, his gladness over this gift is more about the giver than it is about the gift. All right, so he's thankful for them that they've been able to, to do this. Uh, Paul does not doubt their love. All right, he says, though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity, he recognized, even though there had been a space of time between the last gift and now, he, he still recognized, he said, you know, it's not, it's not that you didn't care. It's not that you stopped loving me because you didn't give me a gift. Again, the, the focus was more on the giver. It's about them and their love for him, not, not about the gift. And so he, he knew that, that uh, they loved him and uh, was confident in that. And I think that also was an encouragement to the Church of Philippi for him to say that, to say, hey, you know, I know you didn't have an opportunity to give, but that didn't mean you didn't love me. Yeah, so so an encouragement to the church of Philippi. And Paul wanted them to understand, again, that the focus of the gift was not him. Um, yeah, not that I speak in regard to need. It was, not, it was not, the emphasis of his heart was not, hey, I need this, and so you gave it to me, all right? Now, you know, as we look at contentment, can you have this type of thankfulness uh, and that type of focus if you if your heart is not bent toward contentment? All right, I'd see. And shaking their head, no <laughs> yeah, i I think you know, if his heart was not about contentment, if he wasn 't content with where he was at, um, if he wasn 't content with this situation, and we 're going to look further about what he says about that, but could he be thankful uh, in this way, and i 'd say no, I, I think his focus would be more on um Here is this need, and here it's met. Oh, good, I have now what I need. And I I don't see that as his focus. His focus is definitely on being thankful for the giver and their situation more than it is about himself. All right. Uh, So then in this next section, we see this contentment exemplified to us, and we learn a few things about it. Uh, so again, in verse 11, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. So, yeah, I think the first point there is it was something that Paul had to learn. Is some is contentment something that just comes naturally? No, of course not. <laughs> we all know our tendency is not toward contentment. That's not our natural bent. You know, and even for Paul what? I see a question. <laughs> Some people's personalities lend themselves to be Okay. So yeah, personality can, but even with a personality that's maybe bent toward that you still got the sin nature. <laughs> and the sin nature is by, of, it, of itself, you know, sinful. I mean, it's selfish. The focus is on, you know, what is it that I want? And, uh, you know, we, there are several different examples that I've read people that, that um, you know, discontent with where they are right now but then they get what they want, and what happens? Then they're still discontent with where they're at. You know, it's one example, whether this is true or not, but one example that was given is this this man who was a pilot, and he's flying, and he's, he looks out the window as he's passing over this, this lake, and he tells his co-pilot, he said, yeah, when I was growing up, we uh, actually went out fishing on that lake, and while I was out on that lake, I always looked up at the sky and thought, oh, I want to be a pilot. So now I'm a pilot and I'm flying, and what I'm wishing for is that I was down on the lake fishing. Yeah. But I mean, there's lots of examples like that where you no know, matter what someone is going for, once they get it, they can look back and say, oh, they... They lost what they had, and now they're still discontent with where they are. And, and so, I mean, I think it is something that Paul, um, you know, as it tells us there, Paul had to learn this. How, how would Paul learn contentment? Or he, uh, we can even apply this to us at this point. How do we learn contentment? because we have the opportunity. To. <laughs> yes. Not, I mean, you still have to decide maybe ahead of time But at the same time, when God puts you in a situation where you have no choice, you still have a choice of either to resist and complain or be thankful and yeah. allow God to do whatever he wants. Right, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes, or all the time, really, it comes from an opportunity to learn uh, You've got to be put in a place where um, you have to make that choice. And it's still a choice, but you, know, you have to have that opportunity to see what it's like first. All right, so let's say you're in a circumstance. You know, how, do you, how do you learn to be content with that circumstance? Okay, yeah, recognizing God's in control. Now, uh, you know, and that goes really in both situations. And sometimes when we are, as Paul mentions the word here, abounding, as we are abounding, is it easy to forget that God's in control? Okay. And uh, sometimes when things aren't going well, it's hard for us to think that God's in control because he's obviously not doing what we want him to do. <laughs> you know, if, if we had our way, would we be in this negative circumstance? Yeah. But we have to admit that God's in control. Yes. This is not it. Well, it writes us. Yeah. Yeah, that's 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 2, 2. Uh, yeah. starting in verse 18. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 1 Peter 2:18 and following that, yeah, that is a good passage that that does point to that idea uh that we've got to we got to lean on God for this. If we look uh also he says here contentment you know is applied to every Circumstance. So, what are what are some of the words he uses here that emphasizes that it's in every circumstance? He says, "In whatever state." Whatever which, which state. Interesting. It's a plural. Yeah. In whichever s- situations I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever state and. You know, it's hard to get around words like that, whatever. You know, it means every possibility. Also, verse 12. Again, a couple of other words, everywhere and in all things. (laughs) So three different words he uses there to emphasize it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in doesn't matter where you're at. Um, you know, and again, he's writing this from being imprisoned in Rome. And so he, he's saying, whatever the situation is, everywhere you are, all things that you're going through, then uh, you need to have that attitude of contentment. So, you know, it, is it something that we can pick and choose uh, when we're going to be content and when we shouldn't be or when we won't be? You know, no, it's... it's The circumstances are really irrelevant to the choice of whether we're content or not. Uh, no matter where we are. Uh, and And... Likewise, there are three different contrasts there that he uses. Uh says, Whatever state I am, or I've learned in whatever state I am to be content, I know how to be abased, which is kind of the idea of humiliation or um, very humble. I know how to abound, which just means really a great um, prosperity or great amount of of um wealth or things. Okay. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. And that full is kind of um uh, what's the word? It's um, it, it's the idea of a feast. It's it's having plenty, plenty, you know, just large amount of food and then to to go hungry to lack food to abound again, uh, just to have much, and then to suffer need, which is to lack um, lack something, so he gives three different contrasts there, and in each of these he says, you know even if it's a matter of food, you know uh, and sometimes we try to Compartmentalize, and we say, "Well, if it's a matter of of food, if you're lacking food, well, then it's okay to be discontent." But he's saying here, even then, it's it's not an excuse, it's not a a reason or circumstance that we can say, you know, it's okay to be discontent. And he also says that it's only possible for him to be content in all of these circumstances. Because of God alone, you know, verse thirteen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, we see that that word all, and uh, you know, all, often this verse is kind of taken out of context. You know, so when we're looking at this verse, and I want to focus on this verse for just a few minutes, so I have a few questions that I want to pose to you, and. And you uh, help me out with answering these. All right. So how do we define all things? It's what God calls good. What God calls good. Okay. All things are good from God. Yeah, what God calls good. What God, oh, what God calls good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Category. It seems like the immediate context. These. Okay. All right, immediate context of abounding and or based yes. You know, often often the temptation is when we are looking at this verse and we're taking it out of context, we want to say that all things are, all the things that we really want to be able to do, you know, all the things that we want to accomplish, you know, all the things that we hope for, we can do all things through Christ. Um, You know, sometimes you'll see, um, if you look for this, you know, this verse, you'll see on lots of different things, mugs and signs and and all different things. And I'm not saying to take away from that, but some of the things you'll see will have like this verse and it'll have, say, a football next to it. Okay, And the focus is, you know, I can play football really well if it's in Christ, you know, who strengthens me to be able to play football really well. Yeah, while that may be uh, one application of it, I think when we focus on those things, we we um, we limit what this verse really is covering. You know, when it says, "I can do all things," it's it really is talking about all the good things as well as all the negative times as well. You know, being a abounding or being abased. You know, all these circumstances, all these situations. Applies to this verse, not just the things that we hope to be able to do or accomplish. So um, you know let's not limit that verse to to just the good side of things, but to look at the the difficult times as well. All right, so how do we find how do we define can do in this verse? Okay, implies willingness. All right. Can hey, hey. you need to elaborate on that a little bit? I want to see what you're. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. 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 Yeah. So a willingness to, maybe a willingness to submit to the circumstance or to, to God being in control, like we talked earlier. So uh, yeah, making that choice to say, yes, I'm willing to be in this circumstance. Sometimes we don't have that choice, but we still have to choose the attitude. Okay. Okay, all right. Yeah, so looking at things that you can't do and with God's help you can do it. Right. Okay. Not to limit the the this in any way, but let me ask, do you think this is more of a an action or a attitude? Yes. Yes, okay. All right, I'll accept that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think that's true. Um, And I don't mean that to be a trick question because I mean it, it does, so much of it relies on that attitude, that willingness but it also applies to actions in that we are doing something as as we go through these circumstances. Uh, we make choices, but we continue to push forward with God's help. You know, if it was just, uh, well, you could actually take that idea of God giving strength really to both situations, both the attitude or choice the you know, strength to be able to make the right choice at the right time, but then also the strength to keep moving forward in these different circumstances. So, you know, strength applies in in both of those ways. All right. So, you know, and that that sort of answers this question as well. How do these definitions fit in with fit within the context? All right. So here he's talking about abasing and abounding. He's talking about, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, it is it is a a verse to say, you know, in whatever circumstance God puts me in, whatever circumstance He's He allows, He's going to strengthen me to to help me make the right choice and he's going to strengthen me to to push through and uh even in the good times you know the the bounding instead of being abased you know do we still have to rely on god for strength to make the right choices in those circumstances and what we should be doing during those circumstances you know so i i think it's it, it's just very um, amazing how God really says he's going to strengthen us in every circumstance to help us get through it and to help us to do the right thing. You know, like another verse that says he is never going to tempt us more than what we are able. You know, Here he's saying I'm going to give you the strength to be able to do what, what I'm asking you to do. And so yeah, you know, just an amazing thought there. How God gives us what we need at the right time, if we're willing to to make that choice. All right. So uh, then, um, starting in verse fourteen, talks about this in the investment of giving. All right. So, because did did the Philippians make an investment? By giving to Paul, It says, "Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress." I'll just pause for just a moment there. Distress, you know. Before he's saying, "Not that I speak in regard to need," but did Paul actually have a need? You know, it says there he was, he had distress. It was persecution. It was um, a situation of lack or need that he had. Uh, he, and he admits, and he says, yeah, I was in distress. Uh, now you Philippians know that also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. So they have a history of giving, and he gives example of Macedonia and then Thessalonica. They sent aid once and again for my necessities Then again, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. All right. So, you know, the focus of this gift for Paul, the focus was not, even though he was in distress and he knew this would would be a help to him, his focus was not about his need. It's really about the fruit, again, about the gospel what he wanted to accomplish uh for the gospel and he and he says the fruit that abounds to your account and uh we I know we've uh heard missionaries that have come and, and mentioned this you know as they go out when you when you give to a missionary that goes out and they go and they Uh, serve and they witness and people come to the gospel through their ministry. Does that, does that apply to your account? And what Paul's saying is yes. Yeah. As he goes and he is, as he is uh, uh, teaching, he's witnessing and he, there's fruit that comes from all those ministries It says, really, that that goes to their eternal account. And uh, it is an investment in a ministry and a a service that that Paul was doing. All right. So it is is an investment for the gospel. And the investment did involve sacrifice. Um, We know this in a couple of... For a couple of reasons. One, because Paul mentions it specifically, he mentions the idea of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I'll keep reading. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in a bound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. And he mentions a, a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And so he he gives an imagery of Old Testament sacrifice, and the Old Testament sacrifices the Jews would sacrifice uh, an animal, or sometimes it was um, uh, really fruit from their labors uh, in the field. You know, so it was is different things. But as they gave these sacrifices, there's a few different times where it mentions how the the smell of the burning sacrifice went to God and was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And so he, he equates that to what they did here. That they, they gave, they sacrificed, and their sacrifice because of their gift was uh, equivalent to that, that it was a sweet-smelling aroma to God and pleasing to God. And uh, you know, so we know from that it was a sacrifice, but it also then he goes, verse 19, and "My God shall supply all your need." You know, if it wasn't a sacrifice for the Philippians to give what they did, you know, would Paul have, have mentioned this? Well, less likely anyway, let's put it that way. Uh, he, he goes on in the next, next verse, of, right after mentioning sacrifice, God's going to supply your need. So it was a sacrifice for the Philippians. Um, sometimes we get the idea from reading from, um, about the church in Philippi that some of the people were wealthy, and they, they might have been. Um, but we also know that likely there's a lot of persecution for those believers, which means that they may have not had uh, nearly the wealth that they once had or the prestige or position. There may have been a lot that they sacrificed just being believers. But then to turn and to give this gift to Paul uh, out of their own pockets, it was a sacrifice. All right, so it says this is a sacrifice, but the investment did not create Create a lack. And I just say that because of what he says there. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So even if they gave out of their own pockets, Paul just says, you know, God is not going to um, let the sacrifice just be you know, we're giving up what we have and, and we're not going to be taken care of or we're going to lose what we have. You know, it says God's still going to supply each of their needs even if they give sacrificially. And so it didn't create a lack for them because God's still going to provide everything they need. You know, the def- the The one point there would be how do we define need sometimes. Uh, sometimes we need to have kind of a different idea of what need is, and uh, might have to rethink what we really need. But God says, or it says, God will supply all your need. And it mentions his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So God is rich, and he's not going to let us lack. He's not going to let us uh, not have what we need because we sacrificed. All right, so something important to keep in mind there. And then the investment, did the investment that they give gave have a reward? And if so, what was that reward? Apply. Yes, yeah. And, and so they had given to Paul, not just once, but multiple times, which helped Paul in that ministry as he's continuing to to preach, to be able to give the gospel out. And I think it's neat as we look down, let's jump down to verse 21. Uh, or actually, well... 21 and 22, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Yeah, I think it's neat as he writes that he emphasizes here um, he's in Rome, he's under arrest, and by him being in Rome and the witnessing that he's been doing there, he's been able to reach even into Caesar's household and people get saved in Caesar's household. You yeah. know, you would think that's probably the farthest place from Christianity. <laughs> but here, there are Christians even in, in Caesar's own house. And I, I think those people, those are the reward, um, and then what What God gives us as eternal reward. But but that's the fruit. The, the saints, all the saints greet you, and especially those who are of Caesar's household, that's the fruit of the ministry that goes to their account. And that's the reward of their giving. Um, yeah, sometimes giving is a sacrifice. Um, but God gives us... Always gives us what we need, and God always gives us uh, the appropriate reward. You know, as you mentioned in First Peter two, you know, the, the just God is the one who's going to take care of all things. and he, He's not going to uh, um, have you sacrifice without there being a reward for your sacrifice when done in the right way. You know, he never liked the sacrifices in the Old Testament when they were done in the wrong spirit. <laughs> and he doesn't like our sacrifices if we give it now in the wrong spirit. But if it's a, a true sacrifice for God and for the ministry, he, he says, yeah, there there's going to be reward, eternal reward that's given for that. And uh, we're not going to lack in the meantime. So yeah, there's so much there to to just think about How giving is an investment. And then he he wraps all this up. I'll read verse uh, 20 and go ahead and read that again to the end. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Yeah. In Philippians, from the start to the end, we see how much Paul loved the church at Philippi, how he cared for them. He uh, he desired that relationship with them. And yeah, we can see that, that care all the way through. But we can also see his focus of the gospel all the way through that that's really what his heart and his ministry was was doing and where his focus was. And, um, and all the way to the end, the gospel is going out. The gospel is what's important. And, uh, and God was blessing, even under those circumstances of him being in prison, God was blessing him with fruit, eternal fruit. And... Uh, you know, he he looked at all of that and said, "You know, in whatever situation I am, I can be content." You know, and I think that's if we get nothing else out of Philippians, I think that's something we need to to focus on. Is that if our, if our focus is right and our our hearts are working toward the right thing, you know, God's going to give us. That peace, he's going to give us contentment. He's going to give us reward as we move forward. So it just needs to be that our our heart is on that same focus for the gospel. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.